That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Uh, this weather is wacky. Are we st- <laughs> is that how you start out podcast these days, guys? <laughs> uh-huh. That's how, you, that's how you start off any conversation. I think it's engaging, relatable. It's not too much of an ask for uh, people that you're conversing with. Um, but I do think maybe, you know, five times out of ten, that's how we start the show off. So <laughs> we might want to try a little. Everybody's I mean, so sick of hearing about L.A. weather. Wow. I know. I know. But it's like the best way to put it is it's so all over the place that I feel covid and I took a rapid test. But I think it's just the weather. <laughs> it's not covid. If you don't if you don't like how you're feeling and you think you might have covid, just wait five minutes. Wait 15 minutes <laughs> oh, wow, for your results. Now that's an opening if I ever heard one. <laughs> Well, you guys, welcome to Side Work Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Wallace. And I'm your host, Brooke Van Paplin. And And coming back, he's here again. Oh, man. You guys know him. You love him. Or do you? Mm. (laughs) James Uh, Dunn. James Dunn is here, guys. I'm so happy to be back. I miss these ladies so much. And uh, I I love You can talk to us. You don't have to talk. Just talk to us like we're talking. I talk talk to the audience. That's how I get Instagram followers. Yeah. Um, So audience, these ladies. No, thanks for having me back. It's been a long time, and uh, I just love being here. You make it feel like home. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, oh, yeah, good. Yeah, it's good to have you back, James. How's how's life been on the old compound over there in Burbank? Uh, well, uh, you know, we have been going out into the world more, and uh, but I, I'm really grateful that. Um, that we do have some space in our new place to like get outside and like, I I think I'm ready to re-enter the world. Ooh, um, these are big words. <laughs> That's yeah, so I, exciting. I'm ready to re-emerge. Um, I've been a cocoon. I'm ready for people to see the, me as a butterfly because I've become... <laughs> I've become a beautiful butterfly during this. The thing about it, and there's a radio lab about it that you guys can listen to, is that like the the butterfly is always inside the caterpillar. So it's which the big metaphor is that it's it's in you. It's been in you the whole time. You know what I mean? 
is, wow. is the, the the butterfly parts. They're they're in you. Well, that part um, I understand, but sometimes this butterfly realizes, okay, no more false starts of the world opening back up. It's actually time to go make that eyebrow appointment. Cause if I'm getting out there finally, this is sort of like, you know, when um your your ball, when you're presented for marriage, um, sort of thing where I'm like, oh, Fuck, it's time for the appointments. It's time for the hair. It's time to yeah, get on the fucking I am exercise so busy bike. At work. Like, it's crazy. Ollie. I know. We were saying that, that it's like mm-hmm. everyone's really realizing, like, okay, it's actually coming back now. I look like a bridge troll. So, uh-huh. um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to get back out there. I may have landed James and I a DJ gig last night um, over at the old Fable, our, our friendly favorite bar with uh, Tom, uh, who was just like, yeah, James and I have talked about uh, an idea for a while kicking around, but a couple of DJs and we'd call her set he said she said and we okay. would just like be thematic and we would just basically just take turns playing songs this but- is you and James Fritz or you got James Dunn again oh no this is James Dunn James nice. Dunn baby yeah and I've I'm ready to do it it sounded it sounds like so much fun I want to be in a place where people are undulating and uh, <laughs> living their lives and feeling joy. So that's really cool. Ja- uh, Eric Jasmine, uh, I almost called Andrea Jasmine, my wife's name. Andrea is always out there networking for me and I really appreciate it. She's sort of like a little mini manager. She's like, I know this guy, he doesn't leave his house mm-hmm. very often, but give him, give him a chance. <laughs> A micromanager, if you will. I, would, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> you did college radio as a DJ. You've got you've got fucking cred. I do, yeah, I know. You're listening to 88.7 WLUW, Chicago's Sound Alliance Broadcasting. It's 5 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wooden breakfast. It was called Wooden Breakfast. Wooden breakfast. It's actually, yeah, to be perfectly yeah. honest, it, it's the thing that I'm most proud of that I've I've ever done, and I have done a ton. I mean, you can see on the shelf behind me the Emmy, the Grammy, um, but it it is my favorite thing that I've ever done because it was just like weird and fun, and I got to be completely myself. I never had anybody like looking over me and telling me what to do. So, so any nice. opportunity to nice. DJ is fun. So the opposite of marriage is oh, what you're saying. Your DJ Lord. experience was anyways. Well, speaking of having fun, we sure had some fun this past weekend, Brooke, with our good bartender friend, Victoria Canty with some low fi drop by Instagram live fun. Huh? Yeah, that was amazing. We made uh, three different takes on the Negroni because and I, I know I, I it wasn't as clear if you saw the Instagram live it, it got a little chaotic it was our first please pardon us um it was a little messy and we dropped uh, our feed came back all that stuff but I think one of the most important takeaways is like people when you say Negroni they light up they love it they're already all in I'm someone who's like I'm not sold sometimes it's a little too medicinal a little too bitey and then Victoria completely changed the landscape by introducing us to lo-fi aperitifs versions of Negronis they were some of the best things I've ever tasted I, absolutely I, I am the same with you I don't like the deep medicinal but you've got something like you know the Amara which we love so much it's bright it's floral it's refreshing it's got like 
hibiscus and ginger and different spices in the background. And then you pair that more with the sweet vermouth, which is going to have, what does it have? Like a cherry fennel chamomile kind yeah. of like back to it. And that with the gin, it just like eases it out. I mean, we made super, super, super fun drinks and I can't wait to to do more. I love lo-fi aperitifs and I just, I love the versatility of these products. You know, it's even more fun instead of like just, you know, when we talk about it on air, I really enjoyed getting together, making it and drinking it. That's oh my the best part. God, is what a Willy Wonka wonderland. It was great. Cocktail making we get to experience. And if you guys missed it, we'll absolutely post the Negroni recipes on our mm-hmm. feed, like continuously, like over the next, you know, probably few days since it's so fresh, but like, yeah, it, it it's, it's what a fun what a fun little job we have, Brooke. <laughs> exactly. And we're proudly partnered with them right now. If you can't tell and we feel strongly about it, we love the product. And if you want more info on where to get your hands on it, as of right now, you can get the Amaro. They should be available at Whole Foods in your area. Um, otherwise, you can check out their Lo-Fi website and see if you can locate it, uh, you know, get it shipped, get it in your hands, give it a try. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right. Well, should we jump into some headlines? Uh, I was was just going to say really quick about alcohol. Um, I've realized that any different kind of alcohol, and this is something I learned during the pandemic, every single different (laughs) kind of alcohol tastes good mixed with squirt. (laughs) I'm sorry. Do you have a squirt sponsorship that you want to talk about? I've I've partnered with the good people at squirt. And uh, booze it up, live it up. Um, Anyway. I think, you know, I mean, we were talking about Negronis with uh, Napa Valley centered aperitifs. But yeah, let's talk about gin and squirt, James. (laughs) Don't Don't I look like the guy who would at a fancy bar lean over and go, I'll have a gin and squirt, please. (laughs) <laughs> i i have a great story too and i i uh i i got an in at this like crazy speakeasy in dc that i didn't really want to get into my friend was trying to impress me i'm like i've been to many of these thank you so much you know like secret knock that sort of shit only 10 people allowed in at once and we were being such assholes they came up to us finally after ignoring us because it you know takes 20 minutes to make one cocktail and they came over and we asked for Bud Light Lime and they got so mad at us because we knew we were like, what's the worst thing you could ask for to make this little tuxedo wearing imp so angry? My God. I love it. Like this is like the but this is like the opposite of what we represent on this show is what you're describing <laughs> that you've done right now. Oh my God. I well, was so mad. Yeah, because I was sorry. I was in the other room drinking a mixed drink and eating like hot dogs. And my friend's like, I got us in. And I was like, no, hot dogs. Dragged me into snooty cocktail culture and I wasn't having it. So let's get into this first yeah. headline, um, which basically we all know what's happening in the Ukraine. We all know that like a war could happen at any minute. Things are fucking crazy over there. So people are looking for designated bomb shelters in Kiev, but some of them have flipped over time because they've been there for so long. These bomb shelters that go way back to when the Ukraine like first like broke with the Soviet Union that over time, a lot of them have become restaurants, 
bars, like hair salons, fucking strip clubs. So they've all been converted into these different spaces, like meant for businesses. And now that Kiev is under threat once again, like these are the, everybody can look on Google Maps and be like, where's the closest bomb shelter to me? And it might be a fucking strip club. You know what I mean? And like when the sirens go off and people have to take shelter, they might just also be able to hang out in their favorite neighborhood bar and be stuck there. And people are not mad about it in Kiev. They're pretty much like, look, what's happening is fucked, but at least I'll have good cocktails and all the staff will support me and help me while I'm down here. Absolutely. And I think a plus side too is like, if you do have to shelter um, I think in the strip club, I think they open it up to amateur hour and let everyone fucking take a turn. It's a great <laughs> way, I think, because it's amazing cardio, trying to hold yourself up on a pole, having a good laugh, but actually maybe also discovering a hidden talent. Like that would be so fun, especially because like, because I hate, I, I know I'm, I'm like kind of not, I'm not being sarcastic. Like if everyone had to take over and like we're all in the same boat, we're all sheltering in place. How about we take away the creepy dynamic of like women dancing and us being creeps and like everybody try and get up there and find out that this is respectable work that's like actually takes a lot of skill and is hard to do. And it took a fucking threat from Russia to mm -hmm. get here, you know? <laughs> everybody should have a little playlist just ready to go. Oh, I know my songs, but I'm not mine, sure. Mine would Anyways. be Marcy Playground, <laughs> Sex and Candy. And and oh. I think I could really, really give them a show. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'd really, really like to see that. But, you know, I just thought this was a really interesting article just to see, you know, what happens to these bomb shelters over time and what they become and then like what and now they have to be again have to be tapped again and be used again um and there's like 4500 of them all all around the kiev i think it's i always well, think it's really cool when stuff that is like uh well you know not necessarily like a dark thing but i guess a bomb shelter is but when it's reappropriated to be something that's like happy and like you know like jovial mm -hmm. and stuff it sucks that they might have to re use these again that's, but mm -hmm. that's the sad thing mm -hmm. right that's that's what's sad and fucked but maybe if there is the little bit of the silver lining is like well it's not as bleak as what a bomb shelter would have been for its you know first well you know for its first initial use it's like well at least now it's like pimped out with even more amenities like god forbid you really do have to go down in them but i'm sure at least it's like tricked out with wi-fi supplies more comfort at least if you have to do it this could be a comfortable version of hiding in a bomb shelter yeah absolutely 100%. So our thoughts are very much with the people of Kiev and hope they stay safe. But yeah, this is, and hopefully they get to drink delicious cocktails and eat delicious food if they do have to shelter. So, and weather this Putin storm, you know, oh, I'm tired of this guy putting on his stinky attitude. He's putting on, P all right, I'm out of Putin jokes, but, um, <laughs> I'm putting you on check on this. Uh, okay, fair what enough. you're trying to do here. Okay, we're glad you're here, Brooke. Glad. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I put in time writing that joke. Okay.
Well, all right. Uh, another headline that has come to light. This is a European story that is actually going to be affecting the U.S. very soon in a good way. Uh, in the search for sustainable alternatives to animal-based milk, we are once again going to unlikely sources for really good results. And what's about to hit the zeitgeist is potato milk. Yes, people. <laughs> potato milk. I didn't even bat an eye when I heard that. I was like, that makes sense. That yeah. makes all the sense. We squeeze liquid out of a soybean and I would drink that. And I'm going to go ahead and say that's not one of my favorites. I'm here for potato milk, my friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Um, It's like, it's very, it's one of the most sustainable crops you can grow, which is really great because, um, you know, it, it doesn't have that big carbon footprint and we all want to put something wet on our cereal without, damp, if you will, yep, a damp, we like damp, a damp. In the, damp in the flakes. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, so right now you can only buy um, potato milk in Europe, in the UK, but uh, the good news is you can make it at home, folks. I need to dampen my flakes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the opener of the potato milk commercial right there. <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you, I'm here for any kind of milk. Like there's, there's pea milk. There's, I mean, actually I, I should say I'm here for any kind of milk really, except for like, I mean, cow milk, I, I, I understand, I, I understand that we still need it and everything and blah, blah, blah. And I know that farming is like all that massive kind of like destructive farming is bad, but I haven't used cow milk to put on cereal or in coffee for a very long time. So no. I just use it basically like when cooking or baking or something like that. So I am here for any kind of right now I'm an oat milk guy. I could be a potato milk guy in a month, you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm here for it. I like it. And and it is weird. There are so many versions of milks at this point that you have to kind of scroll through. And you know what, James, during this pandemic, I've learned they all taste great with squirt. And <laughs> I think, I think what's really magical about all these milks, but it's just like, it's like, cool. I, I, you really get away from big dairy and the message and the messaging that they've like thrown at us for decades at this point, like 70 years, they've been pushing, uh, you know, basically milk, dairy, cheese farmers. So there's such a fucking surplus. Did you know about the underground bunkers filled with government cheese? It's Total insanity. We overproduce dairy. Yeah. Look it up. It's no, it's, I mean, I know that like milk was just being like dumped out by like the truckloads yeah. during the pandemic because like no, there you couldn't ship it. Nobody wanted it. You couldn't get it out there. So, you know, right. What I want to what I want to know is why don't they why don't they turn those bunkers filled with government cheese into strip clubs? <laughs> Thank you. And I, I would love that. Yeah. There's just, it's too much. It's excess. I mean, I'm pro farmer. I'm pro, I'm, I'm not a vegetarian or anything. I'm definitely like animal rights. I know that it's destroying the planet, you right. know, like no, for sure. That's, and we need to fix that and we need to make it as humane as possible for these creatures. Yeah, so for sure. And so, now potato milk, I mean, while I will try it, I'm just like, what are they going to put on? What else are they put in that potato milk is suspect. But I also, I'm just like, that's like nightshade nightmares like for a lot of people. Yeah. For some people. Really? And the some one people that- can't eat potatoes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're nightshades technically. 
Some people can't mm-hmm. eat potatoes. Yeah. Interesting. I thought yeah. it was more of like someone having... But they might be able to drink potatoes instead. <laughs> I don't fucking know. I don't understand. I'm not sure. Wow. I don't know what the chemistry breakdown of that is. But yeah, lots of milks the only, out there, folks. The, <laughs> the only downside to all of this is potatoes do scream when they're milked. <laughs> they, they let out a very high-pitched... <laughs> cry uh, um they can but. really see what's going on too because all the eyes now wait oh. till we just get to the part where like your table is like um do you have potato milk for my coffee <laughs> i know nope sorry we don't have potato milk sorry lady Ooh. <laughs> zero stars didn't have potato milk <laughs> didn't have potato milk <laughs> well, do, can you go see if there's some potatoes in back yeah, can um, you just milk them for me right now <laughs> Milk the little potato udders. <laughs> oh my god! Oh god! I don't yeah. know. But anyways, I'm excited for the future of potato milk. You're welcome, bovines, <laughs> goats, <laughs> and other yeah. things we steal milk from. Anyways, now now that's one hot potato that we just dropped on the on this feed, huh? On this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Uh, I thought we had to end every. Headline with terrible puns. I thought that's what we were doing. <laughs> I approve. I'm well, that, I'm into it. That one was a real spud missile, right? Into the- <laughs> you guys, uh, there's not going to be any uh, shortage of this milk because I'm a I'm a potato fan in of of it. Oh, I was trying to think of one. That's <laughs> it's okay. I'll take the hit on that one. Keep, keep digging in the dirt. <laughs> A little further and you'll find it. <laughs> okay. uh, I think it's time for some server submitted stories. Yay. Okay, cool. Uh, last week, I kind of put it out there to you listeners. How are you feeling emotionally? Are you getting prepped for the collision of Super Bowl and Valentine's Day mm-hmm. on the same weekend in your place of service? And a lot of you responded, you were a little bit frightened. It was sort of like three quarters of you were like, yes, I'm fucking scared. And I got uh, a little feedback from uh, our friend of the show, Marissa. She wrote, well, everything went well except for one dumb bitch. You can make this a server submitted if you want. We are. She said, I just need to get this out of my brain so I can move on with my life. Oh, sorry. This might be long winded as fuck. So we were packed on Saturday with a wait. Things are going smoothly. We're short-staffed, but still in a good flow. A four-top sits down, and I address them, and immediately no shit is off. No eye contact. No one says a word when I ask how they are. One guy asks for a beer recommendation, and I offer a sample, and then this other woman asks for a cocktail. The dude loves the beer. Woman gets her cocktail. They order food, and cocktail lady asks for a burger and fries, but she wants her fries first. Sure thing. She started to say something else as I start talking to her friend, as I start taking her friend's order. And I said, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Did you need anything else? She says no. So I accommodate one person's allergies with a long list of subs for her burger. No problem. Basically, she's killing it, even though she's like, I think something's very weird about these folks. All right. So the fries get dropped in minutes. I check on them a little after and the fries are gone as well as the cocktail. I ask if she'd like another. She says no. So I pre-clear the table. The food is dropped. The hostess waters the table for me, which I saw with my own two eyes. Mm -hmm. I check on them to make sure everything came out right. And then the cocktail lady has already housed her burger, which to me says everything is Gucci, baby. 
So cocktail girl asks for water, hostess waters the table again, which I once again see with my own two goddamn eyeballs. I check on them again to see if they want boxes. More drinks, once again. They're good. So then they ask for separate checks. Now, much to my surprise, the cocktail broad leaves me a $0 tip with a note on the back, which I have a picture of, which I'll post. Here's the note on the back of the receipt with hearts drawn on it. This says, hey, love, I hate to be that person, but my fries were cold. You You interrupted me during ordering. You didn't check on us. You took my drink before I was done, and you never refilled my water. I hope you have a good day. Oh, my Zero dollars. Okay. Do I need her money off a $27 bill? Nah. But the whole thing is just rude as fuck since none of it was true, except maybe the fries, which she ate and said nothing about. You know, servers aren't mind mind readers, and I don't touch people's food before I serve it to them to see if it's hot. But maybe she wanted me to stick my hands in her fries to check. Next time, just for her. Godspeed and good tips, Marissa. Oh, man. This yeah. is going on the gram, baby. Just yeah, the hey, love. Like yeah. that catty. And again, I, I wrote to her. I was like, Marissa, it's not you. No like, way, Once Jose. again, it's never you. It's and- you. Yeah. It's like that. It's like that scene in Goodwill Hunting. It's just, it's like it's not your fault. I know, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not your fault. I know, man. Yeah. This woman um, probably could have a collection of uh, a book bound with uh, of just receipts and checks with all the shitty notes that she has left for servers across the span of her world. <laughs> but it is like it's like the zero dollars uh, tip says enough in my mm-hmm. opinion that's really insulting as a server to receive it's very disheartening but then it's an extra level of terrorism to leave like a weird note mm-hmm. it's so she was she was a, she's a predator this sounds like a predator and a terrorist <laughs> and she will strike again I've never yeah, in my I, life heard I, of I, anybody I wanting their fries first like I know but whatever you order, like you get fries as an appetizer. You don't say, could I have the part of my meal that comes with the whole meal? But can I eat that first? Like right there is an indicator. You don't know how to act in public. (laughs) Anyways, we're also sad about this. It's cold. Next story. Here we go. All right. Hi, ladies. I love y'all's podcast. Although it gives me in the weeds nightmares again. Yes, we definitely know that that has... <laughs> happened uh to some of our listeners that all of a sudden we just start pinging up different like memories and once we dredge again, it up we oh dredge boy. it up oh boy okay so i worked at a place called old college inn oci as it was known in knoxville tennessee by the utk campus this was a long time ago and sadly it's closed now so i can name it <laughs> i say sadly only because i love hanging out there until i <laughs> worked there i naively thought working at my favorite bar would be so much fun and then a pukey face emoji is put (laughs) after that okay so anyway let's start with at least uh two hours of side work in the morning and then almost as much when your shift was over holy shit all at 2 13 an hour i'm not exaggerating we had to be there at 9 a.m and didn't open until 11 a.m and (sighs) we'd still be hustling to get stuff done when the first customers came in 
This place did have great food, so we were pretty busy for lunch. And at night, it became a frat boy party. Um, the kitchen manager was a short, whiny, cokehead asshole. And the servers had to do shit like boil our own eggs for salads. <laughs> That's one thing that stands out to me uh, the most, even though there were so many. The general manager, bless her heart, was a pathetic drunk who let her preteen daughter hang out at the bar. The owner was an asshole lawyer named Chip. I'll let that, that sink in. And I can't forget the career server who had it out for me for no apparent reason. I know, so cliche. As I'm writing this, I cannot, to save my life, figure out what I saw in wanting to work at this place. <laughs> I've been there, too. Uh, another type of side work was buffing the brass tabletops of some of our larger party tables. And this is where my story starts. One morning, one of Chip's friends, who was probably a drug dealer, came in before we opened, sat himself down at one of the large brass tables, and then he proceeded to point out that there were spots on the table and it needed more buffing. <laughs> I replied, uh, I do not get paid enough to deal with your bullshit, too. Needless to say, Chip got wind of this and I got fired, <laughs> to which I replied, great, now I can go to Florida with my friends. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> uh, about a month later, I was back at old college and with some friends for a mental maintenance, but that's OCI's happy hour. She says, thank you for two for one apps, margaritas, Bloody Marys and Long Island iced teas. Janet, the alcoholic manager, approached me and asked if I was interested in having my job back. <laughs> she said that Chip was sorry and that firing me was a knee-jerk reaction, plus they were short-staffed. I told her no thanks and that Chip could eat a turd. <laughs> oh, my gracious, how great it felt to have those assholes ask for my help and actually... I get to tell them what I thought. That never happens, especially in thankless jobs like the restaurant service, where at least there used to be so many people willing to take your place. Godspeed and good tips, y'all. That's from Angie C. <laughs> oh, to be asked back somewhere. That's, uh, I can't say anyone's ever asked me to come back. <laughs> no. All right, guys. All right, all right, servers, before you leave, I need you to roll three trays of silverware and boil 72 eggs. <laughs> I can't fucking even. Gwyneth, wasn't it Gwyneth? That was part of her weird side work, too. They I had think to crumble so. the eggs. Yes, they had to crumble the eggs. They had to crumble boiled eggs as side work. Yeah, for the for the, for the the salad toppings and all that stuff. But, like, I can't even imagine. It's like, well, what area do you get to boil eggs? And you know, on top of having to boil eggs, that there's line cooks that are like, good the fuck out of the way like the entire time you know it doesn't I'm make just, any sense why I'm, it's their job chip told me to boil some eggs <laughs> don't get mad at me um yeah that's the, that's that's nuts and that, that, I, I, go ahead oh no 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 i'm yeah i'm just saying like like the least you could get in the kitchen's way it, it means that there will be peace means that you, you know also you're not in danger of hurting yourself. I'm sorry, you're a server. You don't have a food handling license. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not sure that everyone in the kitchen always does either. Yeah, but I think it's the establishment that has a license so you can get that back there and it's fine, but it just seems like very unnecessary. Very unsanitary. <laughs> You're mm -hmm. just like handling a bunch of money, cashing your dirty dollar bills and then dunking <laughs> your 
hand into a bucket of eggs. Ugh. <laughs> Smoke it, smoking three cigarettes real fast. Be yep. like, oh yeah, guys, I'm I'm on fucking egg duty today. Why can't we just do this as a team? What? <laughs> God, you know, and then just, I mean, this place, it's just so clear that they were like, we're not going to get a porter or like have an appropriate bus person or, or the, you know, like it's, it's a whole different, um, job where you hire someone to do a lot of like the handiwork around the restaurant. I'm sorry, but like cleaning and doing all this, they knew that for $2 and 13 hours, $2 and 13 cents an hour that they were getting, like beyond free labor out of you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And just the idea, you know, and uh, of working somewhere you love and it like fucking nope, never again. Like I, yeah, we all have all had those fantasies. And I think there's a lot of times I've been like, thank God I didn't do that. You know, (laughs) it all looks real shiny and fun from the outside when you're sitting there just fucking shit hammered going like, I love this place. It would be so fun to work here. And then the next morning you're buffing, buffing, so much buffing. Uh, I, don't th- I, don't, I don't think I've ever been in this place sober. It sucks. <laughs> no, right. If you, if, right. That's rule number one. Go there sober one day and then see if you still have the same feels. <laughs> and maybe also during the day if you haven't before. You know what I mean? That's a whole, to shed light on a restaurant in daylight hours. Mm-mm, sometime or a bar rather it's a little too much for some people to handle I think oh, yeah. a little bit um well you guys great great crop of stories this week if you have any chestnuts like any you know thing inspiring you or you've been sitting on a story forever you've been meaning please send them our way at sideworkpod at gmail.com okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right. Okay. So today we're going to talk about... (laughs) We're going to talk about TV and movies that depict working in a restaurant, working in a bar, like being a waitress, being a bartender, and like why a lot of them get it fucking super wrong, but some of them do get it right. (laughs) It's a fraught, like we dove into this like two years ago when we tried to do like our very first, like let's review the movie Waiting, right? Yeah. You know? And that was just one movie and we had envisioned doing a whole series and then a pandemic hit and we had to talk about that. So we're kind of- all we were doing is watching TV. (laughs) I know, I know. But I feel like more than ever, it's like, wow, when you do really compile the list of how servers and bartenders are depicted, like there are the people who nail it, which is a very small list. Then there's like super forgettable. And then there's like egregious levels where if you're a server, you're like, fuck you. That's not our truth. That's not how the world works. And it makes you mad because you're like- And I don't fucking get it. Like, there's so many other shows about other careers, like, where they get it right and they, they it's consistent. Mm-hmm. I don't understand 
why like it just cannot be captured like I don't know I was saying last night uh I was chatting about the topic actually at the fable with Tom there was like a little I was like what we were all like adding in like uh you know bits of information on what we like and what we don't like and I was just like you know you have like you've got like Glenn Gary Glenn Ross right which is all about like these guys that have to fucking sell you have to sell Mm -hmm. what are they selling Brian what are they selling in Glenn Gary Glenn Ross insurance yeah groupons oh no it's not okay. super glamorous but there's a contest right and and there's stakes and 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 i was just like well, what if we did redid glengarry glen ross but it's like whoever sells the most crab specials crab cake specials tonight gets this shiny bottle of merlot or gets this i think if you raise the stakes i think we should just make our own version james are you in on this like oh oh yes yeah i i um yeah there's pushing like the certain like i i love when it's like this is gonna go bad soon we need to push it oh yeah you you have to pretend that it's the most delicious dish (laughs) exactly Mm -hmm. um which I'm in. I do think Slam and Salmon, like diving right into it, I there actually is a little montage where they're pushing they're pushing the specials and like they talk, they do a montage of all the servers talking about the special. Cause actually, fuck, there is a contest in that I'm thinking right now. <laughs> they kind of did that. There is a contest in Slam and Salmon, which is a very interesting take on waiting tables. It's obviously super fucking ridiculous because it's like the dudes from Super Troopers and you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but that is it. That one's just over the top, very very silly. So like, that's a good one to I would say check out if you guys haven't. Yeah. Um, well, wait. Can we crystallize the fact that I feel like what's wrong is it's either taken so slapstick silly where you're like. I wish I wish that job was just that fun and that mm-hmm. silly mm-hmm. or when it focuses too heavily on the fucking esteemed world-class chef and the high pressure environment they run. It's like humorless and scary and freakish. And you're like, the truth is somewhere in the middle, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. no one, no one cares enough. Cause they th- like, the reason we don't get the respect that like day traders or lawyers or all these is because they don't, they don't think it's a respectful, you know, profession. And the truth mm-hmm. is, it's like it, it, it really is. And it's really hard and it's relatable. And as we talk about for three years, like a huge population of Americans do it or have done it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So sure. We um, just keep reminding ourselves that we have to write the script. <laughs> I know. I know. We are working on the, the perfect. Don't worry. It's going to be great. Um, I just want to start like with some of the general beefs that like we always think are so fucking funny. Just like that handling of food and drink uh, depicted on television and films. Number one for me would be like the amount of like no ice or little ice in cocktails. It makes me insane. <laughs> It also drives me insane when you can tell they're using the fake ice cubes that don't melt. Have you noticed that? Like the prop ice cubes. They kind of just in. bob like bob on top, right? They don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're like they're like these just clear squares and they don't melt. And I can I can tell every single time they're used um, in a in a TV show. Um, can I say that? At an acting school in preparation for playing a bartender, everyone throws a rag over their shoulder, and that's the only thing 
that actors know how to do to pretend to be a bartender. They're constantly wiping and they're constantly mm-hmm. throwing that rag over their shoulder and nobody has a rag on there. That is such a health violation that is yeah. so gross. Like, yeah, yeah. It's also, it's also, I would, cause we should get into cheers a little bit because it's Sam. I mean, they're salmon hard. They're slamming it, Sam. It, <laughs> it, and you can't, you can't use a towel or anything to dry a dish. It has to air dry, but that guy wiped a glass for like 13 years. <laughs> and I think, it, I think it was the same glass, but by the same token on cheers, I think, I think that Carla represents what it's like to work in a bar. Yeah. Like she's always clean. She's always bussing tables, which is something you don't like often see i guess right but she's busting tables she's not in the best mood she's motivated by like turnover like she wants new you know fresh asses and seats so she can make money um she just seems like she is in the the right environment whereas everybody else obviously the show can't just be like people like i'm in the weeds the whole time and there's no time for jokes but she brings some authenticity to the the restaurant aspect of the i show. agree and she's also a working mom you know like they give her this really amazing backstory that like the stakes are raised for her and she fucking needs this job but you're right she's the one that's always super busy she was she's always running in from the back pool room and being like sammy i need like six beers right now and they're like okay well we're just a bunch of dudes just like talking shit at the bar like she's the one that's actually moving and shaking that's for sure Um, exactly yeah yeah also sam and diane there wouldn't be a will they won't they they would have been fucking for like if this was a real restaurant they would have been already banging for like six months and then the size of that office and there's a whole couch on it like uh, yeah every Everybody knew, but, you know, they didn't say anything. It would have been an open secret. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of like I know that there was coach and also and then Woody came in later and replaced. But I'm just like other than Diane, who left, there was no other cocktail server to replace her. So it was just still Carla manning the whole fucking ship on her own, except for like behind the bar and just two bartenders. That place was understaffed <laughs> <laughs> so it it loses points again for realistic depiction um yeah. you know i mean it's like okay but put that in current times that's the truth of the pandemic you right, know just right. short-staffed totally overworked totally but still cheers is still like i think that's the the number one thing that we think of when we think of like a show about a bar or showed about you know a restaurant um, I want to get into this one, which is so fun, which Brooke and I both put down, which is True Blood. Yeah. 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 It was okay. So there was just something about, okay, talk about a place where I was like, it's probably a bad idea, but I would have loved to work at Merlot's. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, first of all, the chances that you're going to have sexy vampire sex, you know, <laughs> when you're on a cigarette break, sign me up. Oh. Also, okay. I, you know, but it's it's a whole mess. I mean, I was like, everyone is bangable. Everyone's horny. Everyone's just making terrible decisions. But it's also got that vibe of like, like where you, you really do feel like you're going to get some rough customers, the staff looking out for each other, all of their back and forth with Lafayette in the kitchen. Lafayette, oh, Lafayette in the kitchen. So- Amazing. Amazing. Throwing yeah. so much fucking tood 
back at them being like, you're not on my good side today. I might not make your food. And you're like, oh my God, I've been in that fucking conundrum. Um, There was so much that I feel that True Blood got right. And the hilarious thing, it's a vampire fairy and werewolf show. Totally. (laughs) Well, also like there's a lot of comeuppance, I think, because first of all, you've got like a lot of justice coming from a server, coming from a bartender, coming Mm -hmm. from a kitchen point of view as as one of those in the past is that Sookie can read minds and so she can hear the shitty disgusting things that customers are saying inside their head and she calls them on their shit about it you know same thing with like Tara behind the bar cons she's got anger mm-hmm. management problems we know right but also calling people on their shit and then Lafayette also is basically being like you're fucking racist you're a redneck you're a piece of shit like eat my food it's delicious boom you know and Sam Merlot always taking people back. Always a very diverse hiring, <laughs> hiring uh, fairies and vampires. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably sure I think there was some sort of wolf essentially that was hired at some point, you know, so real diverse staff. Um, but I think the reliability that someone's always going to be at that restaurant and running it like Arlene's like the like redhead right who's right, always yeah. like who's the working mom who's always like I had so many tables and I don't have any help and I just need to like pay my bills like someone's always there running the show which I kind of love <laughs> well and okay so like Sam is Sam Merlot Merlot's is his place oh, and he, right yeah he's he's Sam Merlot so like he is that thankless bar bar restaurant owner who's like I fucking live here the way I blow off mm-hmm. steam is I run in the woods under a full moon I'm a dog and, and I <laughs> mutate into a dog baby you know but so, then it's like so right back spoilers. to the spoilers <laughs> yeah sorry if you've never seen it but he really does embody that person who's like I live and sleep here and I breathe here and I never fucking get any perspective outside of my place of employment because it's a really hard thing to keep afloat and I looked up if any if Merlot's was a real place in northern Louisiana and Shreveport sat, or outside of yeah. it was like the northern ward uh oh, sorry I looked it up but um sadly it's a back lot of Warner Brothers yeah yeah I've actually seen it I, when we okay. went on the Halloween James with was with us remember when we saw Merlots in the back lot of True Blood, and they and the vampires chased us. Ooh, I, I, I was so scared. I hated the whole thing. <laughs> okay, sorry. This- oh, but but it's also interesting on that same trip. And in sp- speaking about um, uh, True Blood, how do you, how right do you think they got Fantasia? Oh fuck. Yes, to every yin there is a yang. I mean, look, <laughs> I personally have never been to any vampire bars per se, but for a goth, weird goth club, I think they did a pretty good oh, job. Oh, because, right, that's like a plot. I haven't watched this show in about seven years. So, there, right. There's like, like the, there's industrial, like the SNM. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. SNM. Uh, and me and Andrea actually went into a fake Fantasia <laughs> that they set up on, on Warner Brothers where you you could drink like the blood, blood out bag, of the bag cocktails. Yeah. If yeah. I, if I remember somebody ripped a fart and we had to leave. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You guys, uh, I'm here to admit to you, uh, and the world <laughs> that I farted in Fantasia. I said somebody because I did. Oh, it's pretty to- obvious that you were, 
pointing your fangs my way on that one, bro. Um, yeah, um, I fucking farted in Fantasia. What I was super excited. What are you gonna do? <laughs> she farted while she was sitting on that huge throne that they <laughs> um it was dark. It was dark. Yeah. So anyway, um, True Blood's a good one. I think it does a good job. I also want to say when I watched True Blood, because that was like the first show me and Jasmine ever watched together. I thought the character of Lafayette just in general was like a revolution yeah. on television. Yeah. He was he was so multidimensional and the scenes of him like in the kitchen and stuff and his career or what he was trying to do just really rang true to me. It was like, uh, I, I think sadly that actor passed away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he did put but, the true. Uh, he put the true in true blood. That's definitely for sure. He really did. Um, well, that one's a good one. Should, should we move on? And we can't not talk about party down. Right. Right. I know. It's, it's so funny that like true blood came to mind first <laughs> based on the circumstances <laughs> that it's like, well, this is mostly about, uh, you know, f- warring vampires and fairies. Okay. Whatever. Where then the show about actually being cater waiters comes in number two, but this is honestly, I finally got to check it out. I'm maybe only six episodes in of the oh, first wow. season. No, I know, but I got really motivated to continue watching because they're rebooting it right, and, all, right. and all of that. But this just gives you all the feels from like the very first shot of Adam Scott's character, Henry, showing up for his catering shift in like fucked up, like slept in his clothing and his work uniform is a dirty mess. And that's how like the whole interaction with his boss, Ron Donald, played by Ken Marino, begins where then he gets, you know, <laughs> outfitted in a different shirt and all that shit but like who hasn't been there oh yeah 100% I love that this show it it, it depicts catering because like people as we talked about on the show like look no one's a committed cater waiter you know what I mean (laughs) like except for the managers except for the Ken Marinos and it's really a true I think depiction of like I don't know. For me, it's kind of like an improv 101 thing where it's like you you're a cater waiter, but you don't talk about what you know what I mean. You're not talking about what you're doing. You're just going in and being thrown into like all these different amazing, hilarious scenarios with awesome characters. So I I love Party Down. I think. Right. We're. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, James. No, I was just going to say it's just so it's so nice how you see this group of people and you see them like. You, you see the job, but you also see that they're, you know, that the catering is their side hustle. And what they really want to be doing is, you know, like working on this, that, or the other thing of their careers. And like the ups and downs of that um, is really, I don't know. It, I mean, it's, first and foremost, the show is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> and it sh- it shows the, it really well shows the like power dynamics of like the Ken Marino character and the cater waiters and also how fucking shitty can be at people can be at private parties and stuff like how truly shitty they can be at private parties. But I think the marriage of like, yes, this is what I do, but also I'm aspiring for something else at the same time. It really, I don't know. It really pushes that message in a, in a great way. You, you said what I was going to say. I was like, this 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 show is about the heartache of when you don't want to do this as your 
career when you're doing this as a job. Mm -hmm. And then, right, butting heads with people who've never done it because you are serving them. And then also having to deal with a boss who decided to not just work for a catering company, but become the owner of a catering company Mm -hmm. and how that engenders a completely different outlook and attitude toward the job. And oh my God. Still waiting for that super crackers to open up. We'll see if that actually happens in the new reboot. (laughs) Also, also Lizzie Kaplan in both True Blood and Party Oh, hello. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Somebody knows their Lizzie Kaplan trivia. She's, she's a treasure I mean I, I think to kind of like pepper over some tops we had too we we have talked about big night big night we love big night you know like about the passion of opening a restaurant like basically and I think a lot of that has to do with like heritage and roots and like taking pride in 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 the food you have to like make a perfect experience and like family owning a restaurant you know we love that James we were talking about cable guy brought up cable guy so yeah funny. just that- just that one scene where Janine Garofalo is like over it. She's like, dude, I got a lot of tables. <laughs> I got a lot of tables. She's like, she's like trying to be, cause it's a theme place. Obviously she's, she's trying to stay in character, but it has become impossible for her too. And if you haven't seen the scene, Google medieval times cable guy and and you will definitely empathize with what Janine Garofalo is going through. She's doing her spiel. You know what I'm saying? Just trying to get through the spiel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then little things, you know, I think like the Simpsons, like you said, James does a really good job with like Mo. Every restaurant that's depicted, I feel like, you know, the service is definitely like, you know, I think depicted as like being better than sometimes the Simpsons who are there like causing a muck, you know, so. They also really do a really good job at like uh, pointing out, like even in the Flaming Mo's, like, episode of the like sort of strangeness and weirdness of uh theme places or family restaurants or how they try and hook families into going certain places like i remember there is this one of the funniest lines to me on the simpsons marge goes to this like with the family to a restaurant and it's like one of those places that has shit all over the walls and there's this moose wearing sunglasses like next to her table. And she goes, a moose wearing sunglasses. Now I've seen everything. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I just, I think that, I mean, obviously they're brilliant, but I, I think they like get under the surface and are really show some good truths about the service industry. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, well, let's can, can I? Some, I've oh, never yeah. shouted out the movie Waitress. I mean, I love the movie Carrie Waitress. Russell. Yeah, it's, it's sweet. It's it de- it depicts a diner. As I said, I said I I feel like movies get it most close to right when it's a diner or a roadhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, even though this is about her personal story, trying to get out of a stuck sort of sad place. And it just happens to be that, you know, she makes beautiful fucking homemade pies at a local diner and causes a patron to fall in love with her. And it's this it's it's really lovely. If you've never seen Waitress with Carrie Russell and Nathan it's great. Fillion, One of my it's favorite parts of that movie, Brooke, is like um, the powerful, like loving relationship she has with the, her fellow coworkers, like the other yes. waitresses that she works with. Yes. Like they are like the relationships are so strong and deep and, you know, they're going to be friends forever. And like nothing really captures that more than waitress in my opinion 
Nice. So, okay. So th- we, 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 these guys all get like gold stars from us, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this is just like, you know, a few because we don't want this to be a 19 hour uh, episode (laughs) of side work. But let's talk about the worst. Yeah. Some shit ones. (laughs) Go ahead. I was just going to throw out how I met your mother. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't even know how to like. Everybody's quiet in the bar except for right. them. <laughs> I actually have a subcategory of this basically where like restaurants and bars and coffee shops play a major role or setting, you know, like fucking like the bar and how I Central met your mother. Perk too. Yep, Central like, Perk. Like even though Nick works at the bar, the bar they all go to at new a new girl, you know, like fucking Arnold's and Happy Days, like the Max and Saved by the Bell. Where, yes, I know these are the central characters and like everybody else's background, but it does make these people appear as total assholes. You're right. It does. It's like if I was the bartender that worked at the bar um, at uh, on How I Met Your Mother, I would come over there and I would ask them to stop fucking screaming all the time or I was going to ask them to leave. And they're always, everybody's always at the same table. The friends are always crowded around, taking up the entire fucking couch area every time they're in Central Park. You know, it, it does definitely like make you feel more annoyed than anything. <laughs> that That's one thing I liked about Seinfeld, actually, because uh, they're always in the diner on Seinfeld is, yes, they usually got that same booth but it was actually like three different booths that they filmed at there was the the two in the front and then there was one in the on the side that they would film out sometime too which like just it's a little thing but it's like you don't always get the same seat when you go to the same restaurant you know you can go to the same and i don't know it's just something interesting that they did i like that i like to be able to pay attention to stuff like that. So, um, so worst depictions, I'm going to say cocktail. I fucking hate cocktail. <laughs> I hate everything about it. I hate the like Reagan money, hungry power, yuppie bullshit. It represents <laughs> like to, I mean, it glamorizes these bartenders. As we all know, it's like Tom Cruise and he's like trying to become a bartender and he gets a job at like a TGA Fridays and becomes this like trick bartender, right? With this other fucking mm-hmm. I totally forget the other actor, British, Australian. I don't know. Okay. Dude he's working with. And they become like these like super hot, sceny bartenders. And then they open a place in fucking the Bahamas. And it then someone gets murdered. I don't know. It's not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like it. And I, I know Tom Cruise went to great lengths to learn how to flip bottles. But I don't enjoy it at all <laughs> he, le- he learned how to flip bottles while jumping out of an airplane 137 times wow um wow. I, I always had, i had an idea for a movie it's just like cocktail except the guy's a surgeon and he's like flipping around like the scalpel and stuff <laughs> and like cutting into people all crazy and massaging hearts and flipping hearts it's in like the air the hippie shake is playing of course you know <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Guys, I'm yeah. I'm uh, I'm throwing this all back. I'm going to make sure my friend Charles Gould hears this episode because his dad wrote cocktail. Oh well, <laughs> <laughs> no, he makes jokes about it. He's like, my dad wrote the movie cocktail. <laughs> He's pretty. I- I'm really curious to see what the first draft of that movie was like, or like, you know, the one that actually sold and like how different it was. Cause it probably was really different, you know, but yeah, it's, you know, I suppose it's kind of like, there's ne- they never lose sight of being like, look, I know I'm a bartender or I'm a great bartender. And my, my idea is to have my own bar where I'm my own boss, like in the Bahamas, like I can respect that dream, you know? Um, but I don't know. You have it your own Jimmy isn't... Buffett shack. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, so that's my worst pick. James? Well, I I think Monica's catering job on Friends is pretty bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all of them. She... I mean, that's like the biggest complaint, too, is like, in what world did they have lofts that size and Rachel made her money being a barista at I a think coffee she, bar yeah i think she had daddy money for a minute there too or wait did he either way but yeah and then monica she was the only one who we really saw pursuing a career exactly um and i just think the whole i skipping to another one i i think the whole idea behind ratatouille is pretty unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> i didn't see that one coming uh, i I I have a feeling if you put a rat under your hat, it would bite and scratch you. (laughs) Um, It would not tug on your hair and and make you cook stuff. Right. I'm I'm calling bullshit. No, that's an excellent movie. Um, (laughs) But nothing that like um, pertains to like the, you know, like front of house, you know. (laughs) I'm trying to think. Oh, well, one another one where I think they got it kind of right is Jennifer Aniston's job in um, Office Space. Uh, That's actually a great point. Where she has the boss who is obsessed with her wearing the pieces of flair. Right. Um, (laughs) And, you know, obviously that's like that's a little overstated or whatever, but probably not that much and those places like are ubiquitous which which i I don't know if you've seen this but i saw it during the super bowl applebee's has now taken over the cheers theme song as their theme song have you seen this (laughs) oh boy oh my so like yeah applebee's i think it's like their official theme song now the cheers theme song it's like it shows people like coming into applebee's after a hard day at work and like that's fine like i know that like applebee's are neighborhood places and they're and that might be um, the only option so it therefore it is the neighborhood right absolutely whatever but i just think you know it's probably not cheers um but it could be it could be your applebee's could be the cheers of your neighborhood but i just thought it was it was kind of interesting but those applebee's places that are sort of the ones that are spoofed on office space i think they they get certain aspects of that right yeah for sure going back to worse look i never watched two broke girls it doesn't appeal to me. here's here okay and my beef right out of the gates with it is that i was living in brooklyn and i was a waitress at that time when this show came about and i knew that the show was written 
by fucking Los Angeles bitches who never lived in Brooklyn and never waited tables. And so out of the gates, I was mad because I was like, whatever. First of all, this isn't Brooklyn because you've never been here and you don't have someone fact checking and researching. And this isn't what waiting tables is like. So it pissed me off on two different, like two very different um, levels of even though it's a cute show, that show younger that's supposed to be set in Brooklyn is like, Jesus, get a fucking researcher. And they finally did. They hired our friend Brandy Barber to be like, nobody in Brooklyn does that. Fucking change that <laughs> <Wow>. right now. <laughs> but nobody did that for two broke girls, you know? And everyone, because when you live when you lived in LA at the time, you're like, where do hipsters live? And so everything was Williamsburg, Williamsburg, Williamsburg. And that trope is like 15 years old and really played out at this point. And, <laughs> I know it's really specific, but it's like, I'm offended. And I also want this kind of money. How dare you make money off of my story? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I totally get it. You know, going back to seeing how you do diners, right? I think it's because it's like there it's diner waitresses are most caricatures, right? Yes. And I think we're it's also ingrained on how it's supposed to go, that it is something that can be accepted and played in, in a really fun way. Plus like diner waitresses get to be sassy and have, and actually be these characters. Right. Um, right. I mean the R and R in twin peaks like alone is like the best. Right. It's I mean, I wanted to say that as a depiction in some ways, but all they're ever doing is like, is like serving a slice of pie. And yeah. Off for coffee, sure. But like wiping things. Right. And- <laughs> but the feel is there. I was like, I want one of those blue uniforms from the, from the double R. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it, the, it, go ahead. Oh, I was just, I was just going to say, I had one more that was diner. Oh yeah. Yeah. Please, yeah. Um, from Pee Wee's big adventure when he, <laughs> after, well, well, yes. When he meets Simone, but I just, I, not so much because I find this, well, it is because I sort of find it unbelievable, but I want to know when this like trope, because this is a trope that happens like in movies, is that like if somebody can't pay for their food, they have to wash dishes. Right. Does the dishwasher I feel go like take a break? Might be, maybe that's like a Great Depression, like drifter like thing, you know? I wonder if that's actually a really smart thought. I didn't think of that. Like if you can't. Yeah, that's interesting. But I want to know what would happen like if I went to like Nobu or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> I can't pay. Oops. You'd be, you know how many dishes. eggs you'd have to boil to pay for that meal, James? Jeez, geez Louise. <laughs> um, I want to give a couple nods to shows for glamorizing the service industry. One being the love boat. Um, you know, you see all the different roles from cruise director to server to bartender, um, to, and, and everybody is cool as fuck, you know, and it's, <laughs> and it's, and it's high society mixed with like life, the service good. industry workers and they all co-mingle. I mean, it's a very silly, silly show, but I do like that there are certain things that are glamorized and motherfucking dirty dancing huge shout out to like wanting to like be in with the fucking people that work there and go to their fucking sexy dance parties after they like bust your tables and refill your waters all night like oh i'm in <laughs> and big shout big shout out to whoever you know whoever put together the movie coyote ugly yeah <laughs> because if it makes me want to go to a bar. No, I'm just kidding. 
I mean, there's so many we're missing. There are, I mean, and, and you guys know this. I mean, we're not purposely leaving anything out. We just don't know. So like, I mean, are there other things that we should be watching that we haven't? I'm going to tell you guys, well, I did find this TV show that ran from like 1980 to 1982 called It's a Living. All right. So it's yeah. American sitcom television set in a restaurant on top of the Bon Adventure Hotel in LA. And it's a group of women. Um, it, it, uh, it follows the lives of the waitresses at the posh restaurant above the top. Um, and like their sassy major do who fraternizes, she's sometimes fraternizes with the fraternizes with the girls, but basically gives them orders. Um, so yeah, they're basically scantily clad wearing like sexy dresses. The, the pilot I watched three minutes of and the waitress, the major D was already like, who's getting fat. Don't get fat. <laughs> like, and then there's a sassy, uh, piano player on the show named sunny man. So I'm going to watch this <laughs> show. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'll check out it. I'll check out. It's a living. I mean, on three's company too. Wasn't Jack. Didn't he want to be a chef? That's like what he was all working for. He wanted to open Jack's bistro. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, there's there's so many more avenues to to go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, we missed a bunch. So, you know, let us know if we're missing out on things. Also, uh, what else, Brooke? What else are we missing? If you guys have any server submitted stories, you guys know where to send them. Sideworkpod at gmail.com. Brooke, what else do you have to say to the people? Yeah, I mean, shout at us if we if there's a good current depiction that of a new show that we know nothing about. Love to hear about it. Would love to take a temperature on it, mm-hmm, run it mm-hmm. through our run it through our panel of expert judges who give it's, it a yay or nay. It's true. It's true. Brooke was like, should I should I watch Sweet Better? I haven't seen it, and I was like, oh, basically, here's the synopsis for you. Uh, Girl moves to New York City, eats truffles, and has first orgasm in the same week, and lots of Interpol is playing. The end. <laughs> the year is 2007. Yeah. Oh, that's the um, show. I was like, cool. I feel like I watched it. Nice. I yeah. heard the book is better than the show. But- I'm sure it is for sure. Um, yeah. Just like everything's better with Squirt, sometimes it's better on page than on screen. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. Full circle. Um, James, thank you as always. I love catching up with you on the podcast and soon we're going to do it in real life. So great to see you ladies. Um, I'd miss you. Oh, so much. Oh, we'll hang out with dogs and all that stuff. Um, Yeah. Well, until we talk to y'all next week, everybody, Godspeed. Good tips. We'll see you soon. It's a living. Add squirt to stuff.